You're listening to episode 17 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What is happening, fellow money owners? Today, I want to talk about budgets. I know every single time I get <laughs> get on the show, I'm like, I'm super excited to talk to you today about this super exciting thing, and everyone's probably like rolling their eyes at me. Um, budgets is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, probably because I like <laughs> force all of my clients to look at their spending regardless of whether or not they want to, to the point where I have clients who are like, we literally spend no money. And then we go through their budget and I'm like, you need to spend more money. Um, and if that's you, great. Um, but if that's not you, if budgeting is something that's really difficult for you, then this episode is for you. So I want to start with something that I think... I probably say a lot on this podcast, but it's just really indicative in general of where we should all be thinking financially and just in general about our lives. So um, we can have anything we want, but we can't have everything we want, right? We can have anything we want, but we can't have everything we want. So what do I mean by that? I mean that if you're willing to be very selective about the things that you purchase with, you really can have any of the things that you want in your life. You just can't like willy nilly go out there and just start spending money on anything and everything at any given period of time. And I think that this is actually true regardless of how much income you have. So I think that really, even if you got like a mana windfall from heaven and you never needed to worry about money ever again, that this would still be the case. And that's because like your your life will really have no purpose <laughs> if you just start like just randomly buying stuff for no reason at all. Um, I truly believe that people get the most value when they're purposeful about the way that they spend. Um, and really, it's not value like in and of itself. It's not the value when you think of like, oh, I'm getting value out of this specific object or just a value in general. What I really mean though is like the value out of life, right? When we start just doing things without a purpose, when we just start doing things when we fly by the seat of our pants or we, I mean, we talked about this in the last episode when we start collecting a bunch of stuff and shoving it in a closet, right? We don't really feel good about that. So even if you are in a situation where you have tons and tons of income, you really should be thinking about this concept of you can have anything but not everything. And what is that anything to you? What is the, what are those things that are really, really important that really move the needle for you that would really change your life for you to have? And what's all that other stuff that really doesn't matter that you want to kind of put away? In general, we tend to spend money to fill our time. Um, I see this quite a bit with my clients where we go through their budgets and particularly for overspenders, I feel like underspending is a whole other thing and we probably should get into that in another episode. But let's talk specifically about overspenders today. So the main thing I see with overspenders is that no matter what, they find a way to overspend. 
And that's because there really is always a reason in our lives that we can spend money on things. Um, I think that's kind of like the consumeristic attitude of America in general. And I'm not trying to be on a high horse about consumerism or anything like that. But I think, though, that it's kind of deeply ingrained in us to find things to do with our time, spend money enjoying those things, and then moving on to the next thing or filling our closets with certain items or doing certain activities to keep up with our friends around us. Um, or then, you know, you end up having, like, so I see this quite clearly with some of my clients who I took them on when they were younger. Um, and in their 20s, certain things were important to them. And then they got married and they had a family, right? And then all of the money that they were spending going out and seeing friends and doing really fun entertainment or taking, like, really lavish vacations have has now just gone into childcare. So what I'm trying to say here, though, is, like, we will always find a reason to spend the money. So these habits need to be set in stone now. This isn't something where, oh, well, I'll make more money. So when I make more money, I'll be able to save kind of a thing. Um if you're an overspender, that will never really happen for you. Um, because you're never going to, there will always be something urgent for you to spend your money on. That's just the way it is. That's what I've seen with my clients who spend. It's not until they're willing to sit down and evaluate their behavior and actually make changes that they are, that they proceed to then save. Um, and I mean, a perfect example of this is I, I mean, I've been recently talking to some clients who, who had children and, um, it was really important to them to have childcare so that they can obviously continue to to work and make money and then ultimately like be in a good financial situation, right? But like the kind of childcare is one of those things where it's kind of up in the air. It's like more of what you can afford rather than sometimes it's what you can afford versus what's actually what you think is best for your child. And I think like if I, if I took a poll of parents that, you know, most parents would say probably nine out of 10 would say that they would prefer to have a nanny come to their house to take care of their child rather than sending their child to gate to daycare. Um, and I see that pretty um, often with my clients that they would prefer to have a nanny, but sometimes like the nanny's just not feasible, right? Like sometimes the nanny actually means dipping into savings rather than, um, either netting out equal or actually being able to save. Um, and I'm bringing up this as an example because I hear quite a bit from people in their twenties, like, oh, well, I'll be making more money in my thirties. So I don't really need to be worrying about the savings now. Um, but what happens when you're in your thirties is that you usually you get married, maybe you have some kids, maybe you take on a mortgage, maybe you start to become, you know, more responsible for other people than just yourself. Um, I actually think it's easier to save money when you don't have all sorts of financial obligations and responsibilities to other people. Um, so the best time really to start having good habits is when you are in your 20s. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you can't have good habits in your 30s, 40s, 50s or beyond, right? Like, I think I, I mean, I have clients in their 60s that we're working on some of this stuff now. And for sure, it's like it's much more difficult when you're in your 60s to be like, hey, now I need to budget and start thinking about my spending and watching what I do and everything else. But um, that doesn't mean that it's not possible. It just means that it takes a little bit of extra work because some habits are deeply ingrained. Um, and the thing that I see the most is that there are three to four categories that are always out of control for people. And it goes back to what I was saying about we tend to spend money on the thing that we spend our time on. So, for instance, like 
clients who, let's say, really like to work out, right? They spend all of their time working out. They spend a lot of their money working out, right? Maybe they have a fancy gym that they go to or an expensive gym membership that has classes. Um, maybe they want to pick up certain equipment, right, to go to that gym. So that ends up, you know, adding up to, or maybe like they want to have some equipment at home so they could do stuff at home as well as at the gym. They need clothing, right, to go. Um, you need like lacrosse balls to stretch out all your knots because you're like, you know, you're operating at higher level performance. And then maybe you also need to go to the physical therapist or the chiropractor, right? Um, I'm just naming all these things off the top of my head because I see like how hobbies can really compound, right? Something so simple as like, I love to run can turn into <laughs> something where you need like a certain number of pairs of shoes every year and you need to go to the chiropractor a certain number of times every year and you need different running gear and like sweats, so you have to replace it and all that other stuff, right? So what I'm saying here really is like, we always will find a way, right? There's always something that's urgent, that's on the horizon that we need to spend money on. Um, and that's really where budgeting comes into play. So it's not meant to be restrictive, right? But it is meant to put some sort of constraint on you so that you're not racking up credit card debt, or at the very least, you're not not saving anything, right? Like you don't want to be in a situation where you're making a really good income, but you can't seem to put away anything. And the only amount of money that you can seem to put away is into your retirement account. Um, I see this happen quite frequently with people where they think it's enough where they're just putting away, you know, they're getting the match from their employer. And they think that they're doing the right thing. Because like, if they put three or six percent into their retirement account, their you know their employer will give them another three or six percent or whatever it is, and that that is going to be enough for them later on in retirement. And the sad truth is that when we get there, when you actually get to retirement and you don't have enough, things start to feel really different. Um, and I'm going through this actually right now um, with a client because. Things aren't what you hope and dream that they're going to be when you thought that your life later on would be something that it isn't. So um, an example of this is um, one of my clients really thought that um, at this point in her life, she would have a vacation home. Um, it was one of those things that it was always an, like, an important thing to her. It was always something that she thought she'd be able to do when she was you know, in her 50s and 60s, that she would have this extra home that she can go to, that she can you know, make her own and design and love and put really like her life into. And, um, sometimes that's just not the way that it works out. Right. And the reasons why are either because we didn't have enough income, right. Or we spent too much or maybe a combination of the two, but sometimes like increasing income isn't enough. So we talked a little bit about income on one of our other shows about like things that you could do to increase income and how you can change your mind so that you're not kind of blocked when you go out there to negotiate or get yourself in a good situation where you're talking to clients and you're increasing your fees and doing everything you have to do to pull in income. But the other side of this piece is managing personal expenses. So if you're a business owner, it's also managing your business expenses. You have two types of budgets. You have to have your, your business budget and you also have to have your personal budget. Um, and the personal budget in and of itself like I know people always roll my roll their eyes at me and they don't want to deal with it because it sounds like something that's so awful like ugh I have to go through my spending and I don't want to feel like I can't just like go down to you know the coffee shop around the corner for me and get a latte or I don't want to feel like I can't just go out to dinner with my husband when I want to we don't want to feel like so restricted but the truth is discipline equals financial freedom, right? We've talked about this many, many times. And the the truth really helps actually. And having numbers in front of you actually gives you the freedom to go out there and do these things without guilt, without feeling like you're, you know, derailing your financial future. Um, and 
I know sometimes we think that if we just put our, you know, our head under a pillow that it, it'll it feel better if we don't know if ignorance is bliss, right, is the saying. Um, but I've found that the more people see the numbers in front of them, the more willing and the better they actually feel about their situation because they know how much they can spend. So one of my clients in, in particular, she really likes makeup. That doesn't mean she can't spend any money on makeup, right? Like, Maybe to to you listening out there, or maybe you're a man, you're listening to this and you think like makeup is stupid. I wouldn't buy that. I don't need that. Um, but maybe you have something else that you spend money on, right? That she wouldn't think was important. But it was really helpful to her to see how much she actually could spend given like what she makes and how much is actually appropriate for her to be spending. And then she had the freedom now to go and buy the makeup and not feel guilty about it. And the number one thing I actually do see with overspenders is there's a guilt associated with it. So even if you're one of these people who you're thinking ignorance is bliss, I don't need to worry about that. I don't want to be on a budget. Budgets are so restricted. That's not me. I can't operate like that. People like that, like, and if you're one of those people, I bet you you would find a lot of freedom in having um, a constraint on how much you can spend on things because then you just know what you're able to spend. So for instance, if you know that your clothing budget for the year is $2,000 and you only make two shopping trips a year, then you know every time you go shopping that you spend $1,000 and that's okay. Doesn't that feel really good as opposed to you go into the store, you're not sure how much you could spend, you're looking at prices, you don't know, maybe you'll look at the sale rack, maybe you'll find something on there, maybe you buy a few things and they end up in your closet, then you don't wear them, right? I think we all kind of know and we've been there and we've we've been in a place where like we didn't buy the thing that we wanted because we thought it was too expensive and then we ended up buying stuff that we really wouldn't ever need or want um, and it ends up kind of collecting dust somewhere in a corner in our in our homes. So I bring this up because I think it's really important to evaluate the three or four categories that you know you spend on. And we all have them. So <laughs> you are not immune to this. Everybody has the three or four. Um, the question between, let's say, somebody who has their budget in check versus somebody who doesn't is the three or four that you tend to overspend on isn't actually something that's derailing your financial plan versus the three or four that you tend to overspend on are. Um, and for a lot of my clients who you know are really in love with their children and would do anything for their children, right? Their, ch- their children are actually the problem. (laughs) That's not the right way to put it. Their children aren't the problem. It's the way that they're thinking about how they want to spend on their children. That's the problem, right? Um, And then that's what ends up sucking up a lot of the money. Um, And I say this specifically because like my, my clientele tends to be people in New York who are very active families, um, work really hard, make lots of money, um, that kind of thing. And then they tend to spend a lot of their money on their children. Um, I don't know what those categories are for you, right? For me, like, I know that our food budget is probably a little bit higher than it should be. Um, and that's something that we can watch. And Amazon for me for a while was actually a bit, uh, a hard one because it was so easy to just, you know, I have the app on my phone. I just go on there. I see something I want. It doesn't seem super expensive. Oh, whatever. Like what's $15.99 here and $7.99 there and $8.99 here. And the next thing you know, I've spent $300 over the course of a month, right? And if I'm doing that every single month, these things start to add up. So I think that you can probably pinpoint what those things are 
if you really took a good hard look. If you don't actually know what those things are off the top of my uh, off the top of your head, you probably should check your credit card expenses for the last three months. Um, and that's not also meant to be something that sucks, right? So I think a lot of the time when we think about reviewing expenses, like, ugh, that sounds horrible. I don't want to log in and look at my statement. Ew. Um, that's the thought you're having. Just pointing that out there. Um, you can make it a game. You can make it really fun, right? You can like pair it with something that's really great. Or what you could do is like you can kind of tack it on. Um, I like this. Um, I like this tactic quite a bit. So the way that I remember to do things all the time is by adding it on to something that I already do every single day. So for instance, right, I brush my teeth every day. <laughs> um, so I know that if I, let's say, brush my teeth in the morning and I add something directly after when I brush my teeth, it will get done, right? Because I know that after my teeth, after I brush my teeth, right, I do another thing. Um, that's like the best way I think to do stuff. So for me, actually, a lot of stuff happens at night because I have my son, I'm taking care of him during the day or I'm working. Um, sometimes things aren't, they're not as scheduled or the same um, during my day because like some days I'm, I'm like actually doing the work for clients versus other days I'm, I'm on a lot of calls and other things. Um, and then maybe I take care of my son, but my evening is always the same, right? My son always goes to bed around 7.30 and then my evening after that is like, pretty chock full of stuff that I want to make sure that I get done for me before I go to bed. So sometimes that involves a workout, sometimes that involves other things, but right, but all of these things, they end up being tacked on. So I make sure that I remember to do that. Why am I telling you all this about my routine? I'm telling you this because you have routines in your life where you can add this on. Um, you can add it on so simply as you check what you spend every single day on certain categories. I know that sounds like super intimidating and why would I ever do that? I hate checking my expenses. But if you are an overspender, that's actually one of the best ways to get your spending in check, right? So for instance, like if you were monitoring weight loss or something like that, right? And you were working with a professional, they'd probably have you do a food log every day, right? They wouldn't ask you, let's say at the end of the month to remember everything that you <laughs> you ate over the course of a month, right? That would be kind of crazy. So, cause you wouldn't remember. I mean, I barely remember what I ate like five, hours ago. I can't remember what I ate a month ago. Um, so it's kind of similar with your spending. I mean, granted the difference between spending versus, um, your diet is like, you probably have to like actually log your diet. There's no, like, there's no app that's like, you know, instantly tracking how much you're eating and all that stuff. Um, whereas with your spending, if you're using a credit card, right, it's a lot easier to have that be tracked for you. Um, I do find though with overspenders, it's actually much better to check these things on the daily. Um, and the reason why is because you don't get out of whack. So it's much easier to spend a bunch of money over the course of a month and then check it and then feel bad about it than it is for you to check in with yourself over the course of a day or a week and see how you're doing. So I know that spending every single day isn't going to be the same for sure. But spending over the course of a week probably will get you some sort of average of your spending, right? And let's say you, and like the categories I'm talking about is not like your mortgage or your rent or like your utility bill that's usually pretty similar over the course of time, right? The categories I'm talking about are the ones that kind of fluctuate on a daily basis, but usually probably even out over the course of a week. So something like, let's say your Amazon spending or your groceries or your dining out or the fact that you go get coffee some mornings and other mornings you don't, or maybe, you know, there's something that you spend money on because it's a hobby every week. Um, these are things, right, that they come up over time and that 
over the course of the week, they tend to average out. So you want to be checking these things in every single day so you can sort of monitor, right? Like if you know that, let's say you're only supposed to be spending $200 a week on groceries um, and that's like a hard thing for you to do, you don't want to be checking at the end of the month to see whether or not you did that every single week. You want to be checking every, at the end of the week to make sure that you did it. Um, yeah. And so I will actually post something on, on the website. If you go to moneyowners.com forward slash 17, I will have a little spreadsheet that you can download um, if you wanted to do the daily tracking where you just put in the four categories that mean something to you um, that you want to track. And then you can sort of see how it goes over the course of the week. And if you have any questions about it, obviously reach out and let me know. But um, I hope the tool is something that anybody who's listening finds to be helpful. The other thing I wanted to talk about is something that we have talked about quite a bit, but it's about the fixed expenses. So while the tracking itself that we just spoke about isn't actually around fixed expenses, it's actually around the more variable and discretionary expenses, um, the fixed expenses is usually the thing that breaks the budget. So sometimes what happens is that we overspend on, let's say, our homes or our cars or other big ticket items that have that that happen every single month that are a large expense and they're going out the door. So, I mean, other things that could be included in here are, are subscriptions for things. Um, those tend to be more low ticket items, but they do tend to add up. So you're going to make sure you're actually using your subscriptions, right? Like, I love Audible. Um, but if I'm not listening to a book a month, right, I really shouldn't have an audible account, like things like that. I know it's only, you know, 15 bucks a month, but like, you know, do you really need to be spending that if you're not actually using it? Um, obviously though, that's not going to move the needle if I'm spending $4,000 a month on my mortgage. Plus I have property taxes and homeowners insurance, and then probably another one to 3% on top of the value of my home of random expenses that I'm going to have related to my home that I didn't account for maybe, right? Like the $15 for Audible isn't really, if I get rid of that, it isn't really going to change the fact that I'm already overspending on other stuff. So, I mean, that's something to evaluate too, for sure. Um, and I got a lot of flack on this actually on Twitter for putting out a post of how to be wealthy. The wealthy cheat sheet um, is, is what I called it. And I said to spend 20% or less of your income on housing and people were like losing their minds. Um, <laughs> and I think honestly, like, it's a wealth cheat sheet, right? I wanted to be like, hey, guys, like, this isn't like how to get by, right? If you want to spend 36% of your income on your housing, like, that's great. But like, that's not how you become wealthy, right? So like, none, the number one way to become wealthy is to really manage these huge fixed expenses. So if you find yourself that you're in a situation, right, where, like, maybe that other spending stuff wouldn't even really be an issue if you could actually just control some of the fixed expenses, right? Like, maybe you don't need to control your grocery budget as much as you think you do if you moved, and you found a place that had, you know, less overhead than what you're spending now. Um, that's usually, I mean, it's a good place to start as well. If you're looking to make some changes. Um, I know that that's more difficult, right? There's moving costs, there's all sorts of things associated with it. But um, I think one of the things is like, we, we buy things, right? Because we think that there are things that we can afford. And we don't take into account that like my car has maintenance, my house has maintenance, any of these big ticket items have maintenance. If I buy a boat, there's going to be maintenance on it, right? My car or boat would have um, gas at the very least that I would have to put into it. Um, homes on average do have one to 3% of the total price of the house, the value of the home in annual extra expenses per year of maintenance and other things that you have to do on the home. Um, I've seen people not spend that and then later on have to spend a lot more to do renovations to keep up on things. Um, and then there's just the fact that like, there's just regular wear and tear, right? Like you have kids or something like that in your home and like they do like dumb stuff to your house. <laughs> 
I hear stuff from my clients all the time and I'm always like, oh God, my kid's only 15 months old and like, I'm just waiting for him to like pull a door off the hinge. Um, <laughs> and then we'll have to fix that. But yeah, or like, you know, women, we tend to shed our hair and stuff. Like you don't want that going down the drain. You got to call a plumber, right? All that stuff, like it costs money. And these things, even if you have a new home, right? These are things that could happen and that take time and effort and money and everything else on top of the price of your home. So um, when you're thinking about buying things, um, and if you don't want to have to be so restrictive, let's say with your budget, maybe the good place to be a little bit more constrained and restricted is on your fixed expenses. And if that's not an option for you, then you really do need to be looking at the other stuff, right? So it's like what I said at the beginning, you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. So if the thing that you really want is that home with all the stuff in it and everything else that comes with like, you know, a new home and a new kitchen and a new this and a new that, right? If that's really important to you and you're spending outside your budget on that, then it's really important for you to control the stuff on the other side. And that kind of brings me into what I wanted to talk about entitlement. Because I think sometimes we think because we've been working for so long, or because we work so hard, or because we do so much for our family that we are entitled to certain things in our lives. And that's a thought. It really is. I mean, I, I don't know how else to tell this to you without, you know, getting in your head and trying to move those thoughts around. Um, it's a thought entitlement. Um, you're choosing to be entitled to these things. Uh, whether or not you want to accept that that's what you're doing is another story, but you are choosing to be entitled. And I have a little bit of that for sure, right? Like there are certain things that I feel entitled to at this point in my life. Now that I'm a 33 year old woman who is a family, like I feel entitled to living a certain way or, um, you know, eating a certain way, let's say like, I don't want to be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every single day. Right. But that's a thought that I'm having too, right? If I really wanted to save lots and lots of money, like my family, we could manage on much less than we than we are spending now on food. Um, but we're not doing that, right? Because there is a sense of entitlement that I do have to a certain quality of food at this stage of my life. Um, and I think that like, you just have to know that you're choosing it, right? So for me, like that's a choice and I'm actively choosing to save less by spending a little bit more on my food. That's something that I have a choice that I've made that I've acknowledged that I've accepted and that I'm good with where it comes, where it becomes a problem is when you feel this entitlement, but you haven't accepted that you've chosen to go down that path that you've chosen, let's say the consequences to that path. So to get back to like my client, let's say with the vacation home, like she feels entitled to have this vacation home because that's something that she's always dreamed of and thought of and thought that that would be something that was possible for her. But she's not recognizing that she's actively making a choice to think that way. And it may not necessarily be serving her with her current financial situation. And I'm sure that you can think of situations in your own life where that has come up, where you maybe feel entitled to certain things in your life because of where you are in your career, where you are with your family. And maybe those thoughts aren't really serving you. Maybe it's time to actually evaluate whether or not you want to be thinking those things or if it's time to change those thoughts. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about on this subject is actually hobbies. So I think another thing is like, right, we tend to spend money on things that we fill our time with and hobbies is one of them. Um, and it's always funny because I always, I always ask my clients these questions when we go down, <laughs> when we go through expenses and stuff, I'm like, so, you know, what do you guys do for fun? Or like, what are your hobbies and stuff? And everyone's always like, I don't do any fun stuff. What are you talking about? Last time we went to a movie was like 1963. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and they were like born in 1980. Um, but yeah, so. I always find it to be really funny because then we actually go through their expenses and there's like all sorts of line items in there of like fun things that they're doing that they don't consider to be fun because like for whatever reason they didn't actually have a good time doing it. Um, and that's like a totally other thing. Like you should actually enjoy your entertainment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the common hobbies I see, um, it's actually funny. Like a lot of my clients tend to ride bikes. Um, that's actually like a big subset of the, my population of clients. They are, um, like they avidly ride, um, they avidly cycle, um, and they tend to spend a lot of money on their bikes. Um, I do see, I have one client who spends lots of money on his, on his pinball machines. And we're always talking about that. Um, and I have uh, just other hobbies in general people have, I think the number one hobby though, that I always see that people don't actually think is a hobby, which I wanted to mention here is dining out. (laughs) No, dining out is not a necessity. It is a hobby. And it's okay to have it as a hobby. But I always see this from people. They're like, well, I don't do anything fun. We don't do anything. And then, like, they spend $20,000 a year on dining out. Um, When you're spending $20,000 a year on dining out, dining out is your hobby. And it's totally okay if that's what you want your hobby to be. I'm not judging you. It may come off as that, but I'm really not. Like, I honestly think that you should spend money on the things that bring you joy. So, for instance, like, one of my clients, um, they actually tend to be underspenders, and I'm always telling them to spend more money, which is fun, but um, they really love travel and food. Like, that's what they're all about. They love travel and food. They want to spend money on travel and food. They want to have they enjoy experiences and they do like when they go out and do it, they really do. And they recently went to, um, I don't know, remember the guy's name, but he was on one of those Netflix food specials and he has like that restaurant blue Hill in the city. Um, and then he has like a farm upstate and they went up there and like they had a 19 course meal and they were like raving about it at our meeting. And it's just brought me such joy to actually hear like the joy that they got out of this meal. Right. But like they have acknowledged like that that's a hobby for them. Right. And that they allot a certain amount of their money to going to really interesting food experiences. Um, and I think the thing that I found to be most just amazing about what they were telling me is because like they don't do it that often they enjoyed it so much and they had like that they were just beaming about it even weeks after having gone when they finally saw me um and I find that to be like a distinct contrast between some of my clients who they spend money dining out on the regular um and they're not even really enjoying the food that they're eating anymore it's just something that they do because both them and their spouse it's like time for them and their spouse to go out to dinner um, and spend quiet time alone when they maybe otherwise wouldn't have seen each other. Um, there's a distinct contrast, though. You can see how I'm even talking about it between clients who do that and people who, like, really find joy and meaning in doing something. Um, and I hope that some of what we've talked about today can really help you find joy and meaning in your hobbies. So what what I talk to clients about quite a bit and what I'm hoping that you're going to get out of this is like, I'm not here to tell you that you can't do your hobbies anymore. I'm not here to like rip the rug out from under you and tell you that you can't have fun anymore and that you can't drink your latte and that you can't go on vacation. Um, and that you can't, you know, buy a dog and spend money on a pet or whatever, you know, it is that really brings you joy, right? That's not who, that's not what I am here to do. What I'm here to do is to explain to you that there's a huge difference between doing things haphazardly through your life and doing things with purpose. And obviously we can take the doing things with purpose to like the nth degree to the point where it's like annoying and nobody wants to be around you Uh, (laughs) versus like, you know, doing things just because it's a habit and it's habitual and to the, and like, the dining out example, right? So my clients who dine out a lot, it's actually just a habit for them to go out, let's say Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. 
three day, three nights in a row. And maybe they even spend 200 bucks a night when they go out in New York or something like that. Um, and I know anybody who's living, who lives in like the middle of the country is listening to this. is like aghast at the amount of money that we spend going out. But, um, but like, yeah, that's like a regular, that's like a regular dining out bill in New York for sure. Right. But like, if you're going out Thursday through Saturday to the point where you're not even really enjoying it anymore, and that's just your habit, that's just what you do. You just, you know, make reservations and you go out and every night is like that. Are you actually enjoying it? I mean, really, if you're listening to this and you're a person who does that, are you enjoying the food every single time that you do that? Are you enjoying the company every time you go out? Are you like really enjoying the drink and the atmosphere and everything about it? Or is it just because that's what you do? And I really invite you to think about that when you're out the next time, because it's really important to be alive in our lives, to like actually be there because we want to be there rather than we're there because it's a habit. Um, and I know this like for my husband and I, we cook a lot at home and we do a lot of meals at home, right? And that is actually habitual to us. Like sometimes meals at home, like they kind of feel like that too, or we're just, we're just eating because like we got to eat, right? And that's kind of a necessity. And then we go on with our lives. And then there are other times where like we take the time in our house to actually light a candle and turn off our phones or maybe just put on some light music and really be present with each other. And I can think of like really memorable moments in our own home where we've done that um, versus like the day-to-day -day of just regular eating, right? And I'm not saying that like every single meal has to be that way, but if you're going to be spending a lot of money going out and doing all this stuff, it should feel a little bit more special than just a meal at home where, you know, you kind of hem and haw at your significant other and then you go into the next room and start doing work all over again. <laughs> you know those nights? I, I know those nights. So yeah, so I just wanted to give you a little bit of food for thought on that because I think that sometimes we think that controlling our expenses is a really difficult thing, but really what it is is just making sure that the things that we're spending money on are actually things that we want to be spending money on or things that we're actually enjoying. Um, and I think I've used this example before, but one of the ones I use with my clients quite a bit is kombucha. Um, and it was because I was, I was habitually like sucking down kombucha every single day and I was spending like $4 a day on, on kombucha and it had gotten to the point where I wasn't even enjoying the drink anymore. Um, and it's kind of like probably similar with people who buy lattes every single morning. I'm not saying don't buy your latte or don't buy your kombucha, but maybe enjoy it if you're going to do it. Right. And if you're not going to enjoy it and you're just doing it because like you want, you know, you want something to drink that's not water maybe reconsider what it is that you're drinking that's not water um, to not be breaking your budget. And this sort of wraps into like distinguishing between a hobby and a necessity. So I think a lot of the times we think to ourselves that um, the things like particularly around food, right? Like I've seen grocery budgets get out of whack and I've seen um, even like personal care spending go out of, get out of whack. Um, personal care, I mean like haircuts, um, nails, massage, um, anything really like clothing really would even be in personal care, right? Some of that stuff is a necessity, right? Like you fall and break your arm and then you have to go to physical therapy. <laughs> That's a great example of a necessity, right? Like <laughs> you, like, I, I think that you'd have pretty low quality of life if you didn't do that. Right. But on the other hand, right. Like I know, like I work out quite a bit and I have a bunch of injuries and you know, that's kind of on me. 
um, to be doing my physical therapy at home. I know the exercises I have to do and I check in with my physical therapist every other week, right? Like I feel like every other week is a necessity for me, but maybe it isn't if I kept up on my exercises a little bit more, if I maybe foam rolled a little more, but more often, all right? Like there are things that we can be doing to take ownership of our situations that we think are necessities because we're not willing to take responsibility for them. We think that, in, you know, we're just going to throw some money on it and it'll go away. Um, so I just wanted to give you all this food for thought. I know it was like quite a bit on budgeting. Um, and the key takeaways really are this, right? Like have some purpose in your life, evaluate your spending, maybe even check in on a daily basis. If you're really having some trouble on your spending and there will be something on the website for you to, to help you a tool to help you with that. Um, but also like, Distinguish between a hobby and what's necessity. Like really evaluate when you're doing these things that you claim to be hobbies that you that you claim to enjoy. Make sure that you're actually enjoying them. Make sure you're taking the time to, you know, smell the air around you and enjoy the company around you and taste the food. Like don't just wolf it down um, and really be present. And I don't mean that you have to be like that every single damn second of the day. I really don't. But, and I feel like I harp a lot on this idea of purpose and you really could take it to a place that's like kind of neurotic and weird and gross, but, um, but don't take it there, right? Take it to a place that's healthy. (laughs) I think like a lot of what this podcast is about in general and what I try to do for my clients is just, you know, taking everything to a place that's healthy. That's a place of moderation. That's a place where we can really appreciate everything that we're doing, Um, whether that be making money, whether that be spending money on our homes or our cars or our groceries or anything else, or having a pet or having another hobby or taking that bike out for a ride, right? Like I want you to enjoy every moment of your life. Who doesn't want you to do that? Get rid of those people. I'm not one of them. I want you to enjoy every moment of your life. I want to enjoy every moment of my life. And how do I do that? By being there. And when I'm not there, try to plan to not be there. (laughs) All right. So that's all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Money Owners. Um, If you like the information that we've been giving you, why don't you write a review? I know I would love to have a five-star review from you. Really, I would. I um, kind of thrive on them. I read all of them. Um, I've read every word of everybody's who's written one. please drop me a note and let me know. Um, also, I'm giving you all this awesome free info. So, you know, write a five-star review because you like me. And also, um, we're going to have more Q&A episodes. So if you think of a question you want answered by me specifically, you can go to the website, moneyowners.com. There's a tab called Ask Morgan. And you can click in there and type in your question. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Morgan with an E, M-O-R-G-E-N, Rochard. R-O-C-H-A-R-D or at money underscore owners. And I will see y'all in a couple weeks. Okay, thanks.